Welcome to another minute microscopy. Oh, damn. <laughs> Welcome to another kitchen sink after hours. Oh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> kitchen sink university. <laughs> Welcome to another kitchen sink microscopy. I'm Casey Rochford, and we'd love it if you hit that subscribe button because we're lonely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm Eric Rosenblatt. And uh, don't forget that we write our own music, so stick around to the end of the show to hear something new. Um, if you like it, you can go to patreon.com slash ksmvidcast and pick it up. And so tonight, I think we're going to do another lightning round episode. Yeah, lightning round. What lightning round. Yeah. And for those that don't know, uh, the way we do this, we, we take the, the major categories that our show encompasses and each of us, we split it up into, in half and each of us takes those things and comes up with a mis mystery topic to discuss. So uh, I, I pick something and Casey doesn't know. Casey picks something I don't know. We have one last one at the end that both of us know about. So it'll be fun. All right. So without further ado, shall we start? Have you got the clock queued up? Yes, I'm ready on the clock. All right. So Five minutes for each topic. So all yep, right. We will start off with politics because that gets people going. And that's, that's a good way to just jump right into it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, politics. Okay, go ahead. Today's topic is impeachment objectivity. What do you think about that? Ooh, well, I guess that depends on your definition of objectivity. Um, <laughs> I, you know, ooh, the impeachment uh, hearings for, for, for the U.S. president currently in 2019, um, it's, wow, this is... Uh, I, why don't you give me your thoughts first and then I'll kind of respond to it. Yeah. Like uh, the, the current state of things as, as it stands right now at the time of the recording is that uh, the house of representatives has impeached Donald Trump, but the Senate is blatantly saying that they're just going to acquit him. They're not going to listen to anything. They're not going to release any witnesses or any subpoena documents and they're just going to side with the White House. And now the House is holding things up because they want a fair trial. And I don't blame them. <laughs> so Yeah, I don't either. I, I mean, granted, as far as impeachment goes, I think it's a little bit different than a typical court trial. But yeah, I, I, I totally uh, agree with that, that, that it should be um, a fair trial. You should have your witnesses and have... Uh, cross-examination and all that stuff that would that would make the most sense especially here's the thing if you believe that uh, Trump is uh, innocent of these charges well you would have no problem uh, entertaining all manner of witnesses and and examining all of the facts and things like that because the facts would bear out uh, his innocence Right. So, you know, as we say all the time on this show, if, if your argument is good, it can withstand scrutiny. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, some of this, I feel like a lot of this is uh, politically divided, um, which is unfortunate. Um, it really is. Yeah. Like, I, I really think, I mean, I don't know. I think the House of Representatives votes were all anonymous, but I don't know if that's always the case. Um, and, and certainly after the fact, you know, people interview these these uh, politicians and ask them how they voted and stuff. And I think it really should remain under wraps because th there's so much like uh, saving face going on, I think. Yeah. Skewing people's objectivity. And sure. You know, I, I, I find it hard to believe that every single Republican thinks Trump's doing a good job or is completely innocent without even hearing all the facts, you know, like that doesn't rub me right. You know, I, well, yeah. And, and especially because the, the initial hearings were incomplete as, as far as factual information is concerned. Um, I know that the vote was very hard divided very much along partisan lines um, and again, it, it, to me, it's, it's unfortunate. It, this yeah. should be something that doesn't have anything to do with party affiliation. It has something to do with, um, the nature of the situation. Um, yeah. And the constitution isn't like a hundred percent clear as, as with so many other things on, on exactly how it works. I mean, you've got all kinds of different opinions coming from quote unquote constitutional experts about whether or not this is actually an impeachment if it doesn't go to the senate or you know uh, and the, the way it should be handled it's it's not laid out clearly and even if it were i don't think our forefathers ever foresaw a situation where we had two diametrically opposed political parties and no other opinions in in the pool you know that's a great point yeah exactly um <clears throat> it it uh, yeah, you're totally right. I, I mean, Congress can essentially decide what um, criteria uh, can be uh, used for an impeachment. Um, and I, it. I don't see why it can't just be treated like every other trial for every other citizen of the country. Yeah, that, a, that's, jury, that's, a jury of peers randomly selected, not from just the Senate or whatever, you know, like they can go through these checks and balances systems up to a point, but when it comes to the actual decision to take him out of office, there can't be this. Whoa. All right. Well, that's time. <laughs> All right. Okay. That was good. I, we might have to make that a full episode actually, because yeah, getting pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, so, so, uh, I, I think up next you've got current events, current that... events. Yeah. Hang on a second. <laughs> so Oka Murphy got him. <laughs> uh, I was gonna uh quote um space balls there, but I'll avoid it. Um so okay. Um current events. I will start the timer at five minutes. Brexit. Brexit. Mm hmm That's that's still a thing, isn't it? Um yeah, it's, it's been going on quite a while, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. I I must admit I don't know a lot about it, but I know that it's kind of made fun of, like you know, like 
yeah, everyone's like, what are you guys doing? This is ridiculous. And it's very polarizing for the British people. Um, a lot of people are very much in favor. A lot of people are very much not in favor. I mean, the, the, the whole thing, just if, if you're living under a rock and you don't know what it is, Brexit is the um, UK um, vote to leave the European Union, um, which they've been a part of for a number of years. So a lot of people have some strong feelings about it. I mean, do, do you have any thoughts on, on that? Like, I, I, we don't have to talk about like all of the stuff behind the scenes, but just as far as a concept, like should Britain be able to leave the EU? I mean, if they want to, you know, if like, if the, if the country majority said, hey, we don't want to do this anymore, for whatever reason, I mean, I don't see why you should, shouldn't let them but you know I, I mean ultimately it's their choice but i i mean uh, what does it mean exactly like uh, did, were they on the euro i thought they've always been on the pound but yeah it's kind of, i think it was a like a, sort of either or so now it's kind of a rogue in that regard like they I, I think they use both um but but now they're not gonna use the euro or are they just gonna like is anything I, really going to change on the surface that's the thing. Like, I don't know that it really will. Um, it's more like a political thing. Cause I know Britain's been kind of feeling um, s some people in the UK have felt like they're kind of under the thumb of the EU um, and that the EU dictates what they can and can't do. And I, personally, I think, I, I think fine, go ahead and try it, do it. In fact, there was a what they call the love letter that was released uh, from a, a member of uh, the EU that essentially said, you're always welcome back if mm. you change your mind. So I think it's kind of an op open door. And, you know, I, I think... I mean, there's nothing to lose by experimenting. I, well, I mean, I guess there could be lots to lose. I don't really know, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's other European countries that aren't part of the EU, right? Yeah. So, yeah, no, it, there are. Like this is a weird thing, by by any means. Uh, no, I, I agree. I, I I don't see the problem with it. I think maybe I mean, they're they're kind of like a, a a sort of a world power. Yeah. So I guess you know the EU on the whole might see this as kind of a loss for them, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Um. And, and I don't know, I mean, not being a British citizen, I, I don't know that, you know, maybe the, the, the common people saw some kind of benefits from this. Um, I mean, you know, maybe protections or, you know, being part of like some conglomerate value-added tax program. I don't really know how things work over there. Yeah, it, it was predominantly uh, trade and, and things like that and a common currency. Um, but I think the EU's grown into something, a behemoth uh, that oppresses, at least as far as the Brexit people are concerned, it kind of oppresses the British people. Um, and they want a chance to be free of that. And I, I think, why not? Um, yeah, yeah it, it, I, I think the idea of, of free trade and, and being able to move about 
between these different countries uh, very easily is a good thing. Um, but when the system that, that uh, facilitates that starts dictating what you can and can't do in your own country and you kind of lose sovereignty, I can see why people have a problem with that in England. And maybe, maybe this might be something that'll cascade throughout the EU. Um, and, and that's probably what they're afraid of. This is the, the, the first step in everybody else leaving. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah. I think we have at least one British fan, maybe um, if, if she would like to chime in. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's time. Yeah, I, I would like to hear somebody who lives in that area's opinion because you know, being in the U.S., we're a little, a little, you know, we're we're close, but we don't uh, hear about that very much in our news. <laughs> it's all about Trump right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> so okay, uh, let's move on to the next topic, which is you. Conspiracy so, theories. Conspiracy theories. I will start the timer at five minutes. Go ahead. All right. So, data mining your personal info. Is it sinister or benign? Ooh. Well, okay. Who's doing the data mining? Is it private business or is it the government? Well, I mean, it's, it's kind of a mixed bag, isn't it? Well, that's true. Yeah. So, yeah, it, you know, there's, there's lots of it going on for marketing purposes true amongst uh private companies but then um you've also got the government who is pressuring some of these companies for a little backdoor action um not not that kind of backdoor action <laughs> <laughs> they, they have been for a long time uh look up the total information awareness program um yeah go ahead and, and then you've got hackers who see that as as kind of like scrooge mcduck's money bin they're like oh look at all this personal information that i can gather you know like just a, a boatload of credit card numbers and maiden names and social security numbers and blah 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 so is it i mean there are advantages uh for businesses to get this kind of data and and you know promote commerce uh, yeah and you know see commerce thrive and which is a good thing and then there's you know the bad part like falls into the wrong hands or whatever but i i don't know honestly i think there's always been you know some degree of like you're never really gonna live fully private life you know like uh, when telephone books came out like you had to pay money to get unlisted you know and so anyone could look up your phone number and sometimes they even had addresses in there. So it was really easy to stalk people back when we had these big fat phone books dropped on our porches every six months, you know? Yeah, that, 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 that that's true. And I have a little bit less problem um, with businesses data mining for the purposes of marketing because they're trying to sell you something better like connect you with the thing that you want to buy. And, and I'm, I don't really mind that. And the difference between a business and the state is a business is never going to put you in prison for the data they collect. They're just going to sell you something. And I, I will happily buy something um, 
if I don't go to jail. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, it, it's the hacking thing. Uh, the The problem with that, like you kind of alluded to the the whole idea of the backdoors and uh, encryption and things like that. And that does present a significant problem. Um, government organizations wanting information on people. So they compel uh, organizations that provide cryptography to put in a little secret sneaky backdoor so they can do whatever, uh, I don't know, look at your data. Um, and anytime you put a hole in the wall, the hole can be exploited by anybody. And hackers are better than the NSA. They'll <laughs> figure out a way. So I have a huge problem with that idea. Like it's really important that encryption be very secure. Um, um, and there's, a, there's this thing though, like I, I kind of feel like, is it really a big deal if a hacker gets a hold of a credit card number because you can just say, I didn't buy that stuff, close my account. But it's a pain in the pain in the ass, but it's like a twenty-four hour pain in the ass. It's that's true. No, you're you're totally right. Uh, yeah. In fact, in a lot of those cases, you can easily circumvent that. Um, other than maybe your social security number, you can't even really do anything with that. Like, I, I mean, I could I could list my social security number on this show, but if people don't know my mother's maiden name or my secret passwords or you know the pin number that i forget because you know like it's it's hard enough to get my own information uh yeah. <laughs> and, and no, i think true. some people are a, a little on the paranoid side it's like it, it feels like some people think they're being targeted for their information specifically it's like who are you like how important are you or yeah. how do you think how important do you think well, you are that you're right a lot of people think they're way more important than they really are we're yeah. actually everybody like 99.999% of people are nobodies. Um, oh. And you're one of them. Uh, so, okay. All right. All right. Yes, there we go. All right. So is it me now? Yep. Science. Science. All right. So I will. Blinded me with science. <laughs> oh, do we have to have a, a Thomas Dolby cut right here? She blinded me with science. Um, <laughs> the William Shatner version, though. Oh, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh, man. He blinded me with science. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right. Let, let's, let's go on to the, the topic of science. Um, okay, I'll start the timer. Five minutes. Lab-grown chicken. Ooh, tasty. Mm-hmm. I'm... So, I'm I'm all about this stuff. Really. Yeah. Do, do you know about this? Like, I haven't heard of the chicken. I've heard of salmon and like beef, but um, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, chicken's obviously another big, you know, the, uh, the, the first white meat. So, yeah. So from what I've read, there's a company that maybe more than one, um, but there's a company that was able to take a sample from a chicken and grow meat in a lab mm. to make lab-grown chicken. They didn't hurt the chicken, I mean, other than, you know, taking the sample. Um, but this could be 
kind of a big deal. Currently, a chicken nugget made from this is like a hundred bucks. Um, oh, but this is—it's still early days. Yeah, um, well, that'll come down really rapidly, though. Um, oh yeah, I—I I am all about this for a n number of reasons. I—I I mean, the the obvious ones are that you can have uh, cruelty-free meat. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, theoretically, for the most part, most vegetarians and vegans would theoretically have no excuse not to eat this stuff and get all the essential amino acids in, in one's, you know, in one fell swoop. And uh, we would ultimately see like healthier diets as, as a result. Um, yeah. You know, secondly, we're not killing animals. You know, exactly. Yeah. Let them. We can let them roam free. We can do away with these these inhumane conditions. It's like you know, PETA. While they're a little out there, they do have a lot of good points. It's like some of these yeah. conditions are pretty shitty. Like, oh yeah, yeah. If you've ever seen chicken farms, it's yeah bad. And then lastly, um, because you can like genetically engineer these things, uh, you can make them healthier than they ever could have been uh and you don't need to use antibiotics to do it yeah because a... there's no living organism that might get sick it's just grown in a petri dish in a completely sterile environment yeah so, so there's you're not ingesting antibiotics you know you're not getting hormones none of that stuff you just get all the healthy benefits and no animals mm -hmm. die yeah, and and here's the thing, like meat substitutes, my experience, um, you know, tofu-based things or some sort of creative uh, concoction. Black bean burgers, of, those are good. Black bean burgers are tasty. Oh, well, that's true. But a lot of things don't quite taste right. Yeah. And, and so taking people away from natural chicken or or some such animal to to one of these things uh to to the current alternative menus um is very difficult because it definitely doesn't taste the same but if you have a lab grown piece of chicken um it'll be perfect and it'll be actual chicken yep so it's pretty cool like i i agree i think it's i think it's awesome now there's going to be a certain proportion of the population who are going to say like the anti GMO kind of people that are going to like, well, you're, uh, it's unnatural. You're growing it in a lab and it's like artificial and something awful is going to happen. And I know that is going to come out of this. Um, yeah. I mean, but it, I ultimately, it could come to a point where you could say, well, you just go hunt, your chickens then you know like <laughs> let the chickens roam free you guys who don't like gmos you, you can go hunt and uh spear your chicken for dinner and and have yourself a nice organic farm grown chicken you know but yeah and, and and those people constitute like a fairly small proportion of the population so i think it'll it'll even out and the chickens will uh thank us for it yeah is, is my thought that, that i mean i, I in the seventies, recombinant DNA was was like vilified, and it's basically nobody really has a problem with it anymore. So it, it, the GMO thing, it'll pass, you know. Yeah, yeah, I I, I think so. And being um, one who has chickens at my house and raises them, um, you know, I'm I'm 
totally on board with this. Yeah. If you have chickens, you should raise them for eggs and, and not kill them because right. chickens are awesome. <laughs> They're pretty cool. And I'm sure we'll get lab-grown eggs at some point. <laughs> Whoop, that's time. All right. So, All right. so it's on to you. All right. Uh, philosophy. So Ooh, philosophy. All right. Should I start the timer? Yeah. All right. Five minutes coming up. Bam. This'll, yeah. This will be a quick and easy one. Uh, what's the meaning of life? Oh my God. <laughs> quick and easy. <laughs> you just asked the ultimate question. <laughs> the meaning of life. Oh my God. Um, to stay alive. <laughs> to survive, I guess. Um, but but like, is there any drive? Is there any goal or purpose that you see? Um, yeah, yeah. To to make a difference, to leave a legacy, to to take what you've learned and improve on it, and leave it behind for other people to use. I guess that's my my personal philosophy. Yeah. How about you? I feel pretty similar. Like, um, you know, like there's a lot of people who feel like they have to have some profound meaning. And I think that's a lot of pressure. Um, meaning, yeah. meaning can, can have such a, such a wide gradient to it. You know, um, if you make a, a difference in one person's life, uh, that can have such a ripple effect that, Oh, Totally. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. You're totally right. Like that's what I'm all about. Like if I can change, if I can better one person's life or two, let's say mm -hmm. two in my lifetime, I've done a good thing. Um, yeah. And so maybe that's it. That's the purpose, the meaning of life. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I just, I, I think as long as you um, feel at any given point in your life, like you've, you've done some good and you're, you're kind of leaving things in, in your little bubble better than they were, or at least as good. Like you fought to keep it status quo at the very least. Yeah. Fought the, you know, general entropy that is prone to happen. Um, I, I think your life is meaningful and, um, if the inquisitor came, you could, you know, be like, yeah, I uh, gave the world pleasure because I have such a great ass, you know, <laughs> a red dwarf reference. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Like leave the world a better place than it was when you came into it. Um, I think that is a good thing mm -hmm. because here's the thing, all of the material goods that you acquire through your life, you can't take them with you. Um, the one thing you can do is leave behind something that makes the world a better place in some way, be it somebody that doesn't kill themselves or somebody that's more capable or uh, does something great. Like you yourself don't have to do something great. You can inspire somebody to do that. Hmm. And that is just as valuable. And I, I don't know, even suicide, like if it's altruistic, you've, you know, saved somebody or 
even the very act of taking your own life could inspire somebody else to not do the same thing. You know, it's like, good point. There are so many ways to look at things in a positive light. And, and I, I tend to be a pessimist, but I can see uh, a good flip to a lot of things, you know? Yeah. And, and, I tend to be an optimist, so so that's a, a good counterbalance right there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, like, I feel like nobody should live life with regrets because everything you did got you to where you are now, and things really aren't that bad, are they? Yeah, exactly. And you, you could regret things, but everybody makes mistakes. And... To regret something suggests you knew everything going into it and you did the absolute wrong thing. Well, nobody knows anything. We come into this world being complete dumbasses. We don't know anything at all. And we're bumbling around and trying and doing things and stuff. And sometimes we fail, sometimes we succeed. And so, if you fail, like you're not a failure. You've just some, you're just somebody that didn't succeed at what you tried. And, and that, uh, Ooh, man. Or, oh, <laughs> or are we born knowing everything, but because we can't talk, we just forget it all. And we learn how to talk. <laughs> well, that, that's good. <laughs> so that's time. Um, man, that was, we, wow. We should probably do like, whole episodes on some of these yeah um so uh you're up for public health and safety public health and safety all right so um i'll start the timer at five minutes um okay is it right to sell your organs sell your organs um i mean the ones that you could sell without dying i guess like a kidney or I guess you can live without a spleen, but then why would you be giving somebody a spleen because you can live without it? Um, yeah, or a lung. I mean, maybe you could like sell an organ for when you die, possibly. Uh-huh. Um, because it's my understanding that in the U.S. that's not legal. Huh. Um, I mean, if you boil it down, your body is technically your property. Yeah. And I guess you should be able to put a price on your property if you so choose. But um, typically, uh, I think that's why we call it organ donors and not organ sellers. So um, maybe there would need to be like, instead of a little heart on your driver's license, maybe like a dollar sign. Oh, you want my heart, do you? Well, <laughs> it'll cost you. <laughs> I, I would not be surprised if the United States would do something like that. <laughs> but that might encourage more people to give their organs, whether for dollars or for charity reasons, which is a good thing because there's not enough organs to go around. Yeah. I, I don't know if I like the idea of encouraging people to see that as an option for getting money, though. But here's the thing. If, if you're dead, what does it matter? 
well, okay, well, if you're dead, like, why, why would you care about getting money? I, I thought this was like, oh, I'll give my kidney so I can pay for school or something. Well, it, yeah, that, that would be the, the, the primary one. But let's say you could say, I will sell my heart when I die. So give me some money and I'll sign this contract saying, you can have my heart when I die. Uh, I mean, see, now I'm, now I'm on the other side of it because I, I, tend, to, I tend to believe that healthcare is is something that's kind of like a human right. Like we should have reasonable access to be healthy and we already pay tooth and nail to get there. And, and now you're adding like another, you know, like anyone can charge whatever they want for it. And, uh, well, you, you know, the, the market will settle that, I think. Um, and we could go into a completely different, well, we should probably talk about rights at some point, like the definition. I mean, the market won't really, you know, because it's going to be very scarce no matter what. Uh, not, 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 everyone's, not everyone's going to be like, okay, yeah, I'll give up my kidney because you know, they might want to save it for a loved one or whatever for free, well, you know? It's scarce now, but not when you open the floodgates of being able to sell your organs and receive some money for them. Um, because now you, you're only a donor or not in the U.S. Hmm. And so how many people check the checkbox I have? Um, because fuck, I'm dead. I don't care. Yeah. You know, like take everything, take anything you want. Like I, I real honestly don't care. Yeah. It's just going to rot anyway. So. Yeah. But if you could get some money for it, it might encourage more people to do that. And I think that's a good thing. Um, I mean, because- I, I, I would say like as a middle ground, if you check the organ donor box, uh, maybe your funeral costs should be covered in exchange for it. That's an interesting like, idea. Th- because then, then it's like a set benefit, you know, like that's a really expensive thing that not everyone is, is really prepared for. And a lot of people like really struggle with that. Um, you know, your, your loved ones are left with the burden and the stress. So it's like, it, maybe if you were just like, Hey, if you're an organ donor, you don't have to worry about, anything you know and we'll get you a, a piece of you know casket and pay for the you know a basic funeral and all that stuff and i think more people would probably sign up for it because then at least you're not able to put like a million dollar price tag on an organ and then basically price out the poor people from being saved well they're already priced out right now um yeah but we don't need to add to the problem is what <laughs> All right, that's time. All right. That was whoop, again another episode. We should we should probably turn that into an episode. <laughs> um so uh now we're on to the economy. The economy. All right, so that's you. Yep. Um tell me when you want to start the timer and I'll go. All right, let's go. All right, going. What is the feasibility of the universal basic income? Ooh, the UBI. Um, Andrew Yang is a big fan of that. Yeah, um, he's I, not huge in the polls, but he's 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 building a buzz. It might be he's kind of like the Bernie Sanders of 2016, where now Bernie's kind of like the front runner. 
and you know like i think yang and you know future years might actually be pretty popular and this is this is one of his like big ticket items so yeah i think it's actually the the main thing that he's kind of uh in support of and here's the thing like i was on the fence on ubi but the way he explained it made a lot of sense the idea that you would take um kind of a everybody gets sort of a flat dollar amount um every month or whatever and it replaces all other social programs um I, you know i'm kind of wait how almost can, <laughs> well like like welfare and things like that so so you get a certain amount of money everybody gets it um and so because people are like well you're gonna pay this huge amount of money in taxes to pay for this how are we gonna do it um and so it replaces a bunch of the other previous social programs um and in that light it, it kind of makes a little bit more sense like i don't know that it's the right solution but it makes more sense and yeah, I mean that—that that makes a bit of sense. It's—it's a, it's a bit like you know, um, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Uh, you know, these people that want, you know, health care for all, and basically, you know, the the small increase in tax that everyone would see, and the huge increase in tax that the mega rich would see, um, basically, kind of replace the costs from your paycheck or your your or your own private checkbook for, you know, I mean, remember when we had a business and I, back in like 10 years ago or whatever, we were paying out like almost 800 bucks a month each for, yeah. for health insurance, you know, like it, it's, so, I mean, if, if they're trying to replace health insurance with a thousand bucks a month, it ain't. No, 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 it's not insurance. It's, it's all the other social programs like welfare and stuff like that. Okay. Um, and I'm a advocate of, simplification mm -hmm. uh, so if things could be simplified and there's a minimal staff running this and it's uh algorithmically uh derived like i think i think that would actually be a, a decent way to address these kinds of things like personally i think there's better ways of doing it but if you have a system like that this is probably better the ubi is it's been tried in places and had varying degrees of success. Um, it it reminds me a little bit of the fair tax prebate. Um, it's kind of similar. Yeah. And he even does mention adding a value added tax, which I don't know if I like that because that's just tax upon tax upon tax. And it gets really yeah. convoluted. Like the, the person who buys it, from you like reimburses you some of the tax that they get from the next guy and like what mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah that's starting to verge into the overcomplicated territory which yeah. i have a huge problem with it, it, it things should be simple mm -hmm. and i mean <sighs> i mean so i everybody getting a thousand bucks a month um i can see how that would help a lot of people yeah, 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 it probably would. Um, yeah. 
but it would be very expensive. And yes, it would be. There's certainly pundits that are, you know, hemming and hawing about how it would be paid for. Well, you're talking 300 million plus people in the U.S. That's a big stack of cash going out every Mm -hmm. month. Um, And, you know, taxing the wealthy. Well, you know, what is wealth? It, It isn't dollars in the bank. It could be a lot of different things. I mean, we'd be probably, ooh. Yet again, this is another one we got to <laughs> dig deeper into. Mm-hmm. Um, but all in all, I, I think Andrew Yang's ideas are at least logical. Oop. Oh, there. Right. Yeah. All right. That's time. Now we're on to religion. Religion. Okay. So that's me. Um, I will start the timer. Here we go. Five minutes going. Okay. Praying in school. Um, it happens, and nobody's trying to stop it. Uh, the only thing, I, I mean, there's a lot of people who say, oh, we're not allowed to pray in school anymore. It's like, no, that's not true. You can pray all you want. You just can't have school-led prayer in public mm-hmm. schools. In public schools. So yeah. uh, I'm fine with that, too, because there's a separation of church and state. There shouldn't be any mandates on what religion is is pushed on you. And I don't know. But if you want to pray, go ahead and pray. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, actually, I'm kind of in agreement with that. Um, I know there's some people who believe there's this kind of pushback against people praying in school. And it could be – I know there's a certain – very vocal faction of anti-theist people who want to squish that. Um, But I don't think they represent the whole. I don't Um, think there's even that many because honestly, in all all the circles I've ever been in, people are like, yeah, do, do what you want to do. It's just don't make other people do it. Yeah. Yeah. It all boils down to is autonomy really. Yeah, exactly. I, I I don't have a problem with people praying, like whatever your beliefs, like go ahead. I don't care. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like it shouldn't be school sanctioned or, or anything like that. Yeah. Cause I mean, let's, let's face it. School is not, it's not a religious institution. It's not there to teach religion. It's fine to have a religion class, a mythology class, you know, uh, any kind of sociological study would most certainly touch on that. Um, yeah. So it's it's fine to discuss these things, but not to uh, have practice be like part of curriculum, basically. Like it, yeah, yeah, like com- compulsory participation, yeah. that kind of thing. Like you, you definitely wouldn't want that. I mean, kind of related to this is. Um, Standing up, putting your hand over your heart, and reciting the Pledge of Allegiance is is kind of made to feel obligatory, but it's not supposed to be, and it shouldn't be. No, it's not. And um, a friend of mine, um, his daughter declined to do that in middle school in Truman, and uh, the teacher flipped out over mm-hmm. that, saying, you, yeah. you have to do that. And she's like, I don't have to do that. And I, yeah, I agree. Like yeah. you, you don't have to, 
participate in anything. Yeah, anything. I did a whole minute microscopy on flag idolatry because it's kind of a religion of its own a little bit. You know? <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, you're totally right. Yeah. It, yeah, I mean, ultimately, um, people that bark about religion being taken out of schools and prayer being taken out of schools, they're horribly misinformed. Um, well, and, and it might happen in some schools. And so people see an article about a particular school where something happens and they think it's everywhere and it's not. Yeah. And I mean, if that's happening, um, it should be corrected because that is uh, an infringement of your right to practice religion. Just just as a school that is sanctioning prayer uh, should also be corrected. You know, Mm -hmm. like it, it goes both ways. So yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Like, we shouldn't be disallowing people from praying, but we shouldn't be telling them, hey, it's time to pray. <laughs> exactly. Or here's your uh, creationism curriculum. Um, yeah, that's, that's a good and point. I, mean, I can see where, like, you know, Islam has a lot of prayer at set times, you know, facing... The, you know a certain way um and and that could be seen as disruptive to well, some probably is yeah. but you got to get over that because i mean that's yeah. their that's their culture that's their their creed that's their belief that's that has to be respected well and and you know yeah the whole islam prayer thing like it, it could be disruptive but really in the grand scheme of things how disruptive is it really like yeah. a couple minutes for somebody to do something like it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. I mean, people might turn their heads for a second. Just because somebody. Moved. That's time. <laughs> All right. All right. So on to the oh, last one. Coming up to the, the final topic. Yeah. All right. So um, this is one that we both know. Yep. So we're going to. Oh, wait. Tomfoolery is the topic. Um, (laughs) I'll get the timer going at five minutes. Okay, go ahead. All right. What do you like better, the Ghostbusters or the real Ghostbusters? Real Ghostbusters? That's such... Why do they call themselves that? Yeah, it's like, you know, Egon and Peter and and, and, uh, Ray and... uh, Winston, don't Winston. forget Winston. He's always left out for some reason. <laughs> um, um, it, it, they they took the moniker of real Ghostbusters because Filmation had a cartoon called Ghostbusters before. It was before, right? Yeah, yeah. It was like a year before. So uh, Filmation made a series about a previous show they made in 19... Well, they, they made the show in the 70s. In 1983, I believe, they began, uh, it was after the Ghostbusters movie, Um, they kind of rode on the uh, hype about Ghostbusters and said, hey, we should make a a, a TV show about this. And they did. And then, of course, the people that made the movie wanted a piece of the action. Um, there was a lawsuit, in fact, which ended in kind of a stalemate. Um, 
so both got to be able to be the Ghostbusters, but uh, the movie franchise cartoon called themselves the real Ghostbusters because they were based on the movie. Um, <laughs> but the filmation Ghostbusters was based on that live action TV show in the 70s. Um, yeah. At real Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought they were both really good, honestly. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Real Ghostbusters was pretty polished, but I really enjoyed, like, I mean, I've always been a fan of Filmation stuff. Like, the, the theme song was cool. There was, a like, a little goofy element to it, but, I, I mean, I still remember some really important lessons I learned from Ghostbusters, the Filmation Ghostbusters. Like, yeah, it was, uh, a, it, it was a good series. Yeah. Um, They'd have those little, like, morals at the end just like he man did um yeah. i learned, that was a filmation thing by the yeah. way yeah i i learned don't put water on a grease fire and that's <laughs> stuck, that stuck with me that's important yes yeah, that's, that's, you know. yeah gi joe didn't do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, the filmation ghostbusters was goofy at times but it still maintained a little bit of like creepiness um some of the episodes were a little bit creepy that i i know they started out um trying to teach people about things if you look at like the pilot episodes they they were trying to teach people history and geography and things like that and then they just kind of just let it all go and hmm. stuff but um the real ghostbusters was scary <laughs> like there were some episodes that to this day scare the shit out of me. <laughs> um so so I I think they're both really good. Um and I, I ever got scared at, at the real Ghostbusters episodes. Um there was a G.I. Joe episode that scared shit out of me. Oh wow. Like like one of the guys, I think his name was Peter or something, he like walked up to the Jeep and just melted. And I was what? Like, I was like, "What the hell just happened here?" Wow, I don't remember that one. Are you sure oh, it's, uh, yeah. it's something that actually happened? <laughs> uh, man, uh, yeah. Now that the, the both of those series were really good in like different kinds of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, the filmation Ghostbusters, it was silly, but it was kind of good. Like I. I, I kind, I almost kind of like it better. Um, I, I do too. Like it has a special place in my heart, and yeah, they have some parallels. You know, like the the filmation Ghostbusters had like a jalopy, and then the real Ghostbusters had that like hearse ambulance thing that was like mm -hmm. converted to a Ghostbusters car, and and um, yeah, it was. Uh, and then you know, like Tracy the Gorilla was kind of like Slimer in a way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it, I, I think I think they were both really good in their own way, and uh, yeah, I I think a lot of people probably don't even remember or have ever known about in the first place the filmation Ghostbusters. Probably not. Yeah. Whoop! That's time. All right. All right. So I think that concludes uh, our lightning round. Yeah. For today. Round number two. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that was good. Um, yeah. 
All right. It's always, so. it's always fun, fast paced and all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that was good. Um, and if anybody has, um, additional comments or thoughts they'd like to throw in, especially about the Ghostbusters or the real Ghostbusters, we would love to hear them. If you're from um, Great Britain and you want to talk about Brexit, go ahead and leave us a comment. Yeah. You got ideas about impeachments or anything else we talked about, feel free to leave comments. Keep the conversation going. And, uh, yeah. Thanks for lightning round deep sea diving with us. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good night, everybody. Bye.